It's Holy Week once again, and the Christian community in Bethlehem is disappearing, while Christian schools in America come under fire. The most pro-life, pro-God president in American history is indicted, and Pope Francis has rushed to the hospital, but is now mysteriously on the mend. So what is going on with the Pope's health? As the mystical body of Christ enters its passion, what's it going to be? Jesus Christ or Barabbas? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Michael Matt, and this is the Remnant Underground. Holy Week 2023 is upon us, and Christians find themselves being persecuted all over the world. The Holy Land, for example, Christians are almost gone completely. I'm in Bethlehem, the city believed to be the birthplace of Jesus. But because Bethlehem is a Palestinian city in the Israeli-occupied West Bank, it's surrounded today by a massive concrete wall, military checkpoints, and illegal settlements. It's imposing a system of control that I'm sure Jesus was very familiar of. Over the decades, the percentage of Christians living in Bethlehem and the occupied Palestinian territories has plummeted, rendering them practically invisible. It's a big issue for us that one day the Holy Land will become without Christians. You see, so it's not our imagination. Everyone's noticing this. Christianity is collapsing everywhere. Christians are being persecuted everywhere. I'm going to talk about this a little bit tonight. Because once again, as Holy Week approaches, we have Pope Francis missing in action as usual. Not a lot of talk about that. I mean, in, in the Holy Land right now, if things weren't bad enough, <laughs> naturally anyway, Israel had one of the most draconian lockdown orders, laws, in the world, worse than Australia, all throughout COVID. In fact, it's still going on. <laughs> Not as bad, but it's still going on. They were locking down Christians, Christians who are very obviously impoverished, poor people, small business owners, locking them down out of their small businesses for two years. And what do you think happened to the Christian community while that was going on during COVID? <laughs> I mean, it's entirely possible, friends, that within a few years from now, the followers of Jesus Christ will be gone from the land where Jesus Christ was born. Around the year 1900, Christians made up about 11% of the population of what was historically called Palestine. That's now down to less than 2% in all of Israel and the occupied territories. The decline is much more pronounced here in Bethlehem. 70 years ago, the area was 80% Christian. Today, that number is only 12%. And when you see something like that, and you just realize everything Christian, the wheels are coming off everything Christian, right? And people are still talking about Vatican II as though it was some sort of a shining, smashing, happy success worldwide. This is part of the delusion that's driving people crazy. Like, what are you talking about, eminence? Why are you still talking about Vatican II? Francis, buddy, where are you on this question of the vanishing Christian community in the Holy Land? Where's Francis on this? I guess there's, there's climate change. Those, those issues have to be addressed. We now hear that Francis is going to be introducing the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations to his Synod on Synodality in 2024. So that tops his list. This is the reason I bring this up. As, you see, as we begin now to commemorate the passion and death of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we look around the world and realize Christians everywhere are undergoing a passion as well. The mystical body of Christ is undergoing a passion. 
this is going to include us at some point. It already is, right? So tonight, tonight I've got two questions that I'm hoping maybe will help people understand the urgency of why we do what we do as traditional Catholics, why we do this program, why we have this newspaper, why we're trying to raise awareness. And the answer to these two questions is related, I think, and it also pertains to some degree to Holy Week. First, Donald Trump. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole Trump thing once again. I'm asking you to look and consider the phenomenon of what's happening to Mr. Trump right now in light of this worldwide persecution of Christians. Last week, we talked about Christian persecution worldwide, uh, worldwide being up some 83%. The last report published by the Open Doors NGO on Christian persecution around the world shows concerning numbers. It shows that 2021 concluded with some of the worst statistics registered to date. Other entities like Observatory, which measures discrimination against Christians in Europe, are asking that this situation be taken seriously. They report that Christians are those who face the most religious persecution. If you take the total number um, of people being persecuted because of their belief, 82% are Christians. So the question I have, first question, first question, why does the mob, why, why do they hate Donald Trump so much? And we'll get to the second question in a moment. Why does the mob hate Donald Trump? To me, it seems pretty obvious. <laughs> they don't know why. Did you ever think about that? When you ask people at work or friends or whatever, those, those uh, cousins who are on the other side of the aisle, political aisle, why do you hate this guy so much? The tweets? Really? So now two years into the next administration, you're still trying to take this guy down? Why? Just, just tell us. In your minds, why is he worthy, worthy of such loathing and contempt? Because the irrational hatred of a guy like Donald Trump I think is very appropriate <laughs> to the lack of, ration, of, of, of rational thinking that's going on worldwide. They don't know why they hate Donald Trump. Somebody told them to hate Donald Trump, right? Just like somebody told us to be afraid of COVID. Somebody told us to get the, uh, the shots. Now somebody tells us climate change, we're all going to burn up. Somebody's telling us to be careful of uh, you know, AI, because that's the next thing that's going that's to destroy your, your, your life, right? And they just keep buying it. And the, the funny thing is, the folks on the left, they think of themselves as so enlightened, such original thinkers, but have they ever had an original thought? This, this one should be easy. Why do you hate Donald Trump? They don't know because they actually haven't thought it through. So we have people in very high positions of power in media and politics, government, entertainment, that actually haven't thought this through, which is pretty frightening given the level of contempt that they have for the guy and for those who follow him. They just don't know why they hate him. The least stupid among them, they think that they've worked it out. They think it's because Donald Trump is on our side and they hate us. They hate Christian America because, well, Christians still talk about self-control, following a moral code that demands self-control. They don't like self-control. They don't think it's possible, so they hate us for even trying. Okay. Well, at least it's a reason. It's a reason why they hate. They, they hate us for that. But there's a problem. And I've tried to share this with, with folks on the other side of the aisle. Do you actually know whose side Donald Trump is? Whose side of that moral question? Donald Trump, is he on our side? Is he? Divorced, remarried a couple times, 
Is Donald Trump a Bible-thumping Christian? <laughs> is he a fire-breathing pro-lifer? By his own admission, he got into the pro-life game late, as a, when he, once he'd become, started running for president, right? I wouldn't call him a passionate pro-lifer. We praised him, we stood with him because he stood with the pro-life movement, but is he, in his heart of hearts, is Donald Trump defined by pro-lifeism? Is he a daily communicant then? We're, we're down here in the, in the underground. We're, we're a Catholic show. Is Donald Trump a daily communicant? Which was, that's why we're supporting him, because he's a, he's a deathbed convert daily communicant guy. No, no, so that's not it. Does he believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist? That's pretty important to our side, right? Not in the least. Donald Trump doesn't believe in that at all. He's not Catholic. Is he a fierce opponent of gay marriage? Seems like he's going a little soft on that to me. So again, why does the Christophobic mob hate him? It doesn't make sense. Now, I think I can answer the question. I don't know that it's occurred, it's occurred to the folks who are trying to crucify Donald right now. I think it's the three Ps, and in this order. It's because Donald Trump stood with pro-life, right? because he stood with patriots, and because he's a political outsider. You see, the mob hates Donald Trump because he sort of stumbled and bumbled his way up against the forces, the most powerful forces on earth, the forces of Antichrist. You know who I mean. The Freemasons, the globalists, the elites, whatever you want to call these builders of the new Tower of Babel called the New World Order. You see, that's why George Soros-backed Manhattan District Attorney Elvin Bragg just indicted, indicted Donald Trump. Bragg himself is obviously and totally clueless. He doesn't know anything about this. He doesn't know why he hates Donald Trump. He just does. He's a stupid little pawn, and he's doing what he was told to do. And it's all part of the plan to persecute Christianity to persecute Christians, to take down anyone who politically stands with Christianity, even if it's just lip service, is what we were saying four years ago, right? If it's lip service, bring it on. The world needs pro-Christian, pro-Christ lip service from politicians to be reminded of how we get out of here. To these three Ps, <laughs> patriotism, pro-lifeism, and a political outsider, this is why the mob actually hates Donald Trump, though they don't know that. The globalist agitators know that, and they need them to hate him for, these re for those reasons, those three, three Ps. Because they're really actually not after Donald Trump, are they? They're after Christ again, and anyone who follows him. Donald Trump himself got pretty close when he said, they're not after me, they're after you, and I got in the way. <laughs> That's true. So this being Holy Week, is a good time to sort of review. This is the nature of the tolerant left, the mob. This is how filled with hate they are, how intolerant they are of all things Christ. They're after us because we follow Christ. They're screaming for Barabbas again, right? Doesn't it just remind you of all of that this week? Holy Week, we're going into this. Look at the world screaming for Barabbas to be released again. The hardened criminal, the murderer, the insurrectionist who was condemned to death, he was so bad, such a social and societal outcast. 
Barabbas today is the chaos, right? That's what we want. Give us Barabbas. Give us the chaos. The chaos that will stand in the place of Jesus Christ, who they want to crucify. Crucify Christ. Give us Barabbas. That's how it was 2,000 years ago. That should sound familiar. Because today, it's crucify Christians. Give us chaos. We're at war with everything to do with God, aren't they? The society in which we live. So even Donald Trump to them seems Christian. After all, he said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> he said he was going to bring Christ back. He mentioned the name Christ a couple times. And they're out of their head. Irrational, fear, terror, destroy him. Because the globalist agitators hate Christ that much. Don't you dare ever mention Jesus Christ and expect to raise up, to rise up again in the world of politics as they build this new world order. So they commute the sentences of violent criminals, don't they? They're letting them all out into our society. They open up the borders, don't they? they Why, they let Christian patriots rot in prisons without due process. You're following that, right? Because it's happening right now in the land of the free and home of the brave. Hunt down those pro-lifers because they're domestic terrorists. But promote the child predators in classrooms as heroes, in classrooms and in libraries as heroes. Infiltrate the traditional Catholic churches, right? FBI, the brave FBI guys. <laughs> Take children away from those dangerous homeschool parents because they're Christians. They're haters. And then let homosexuals, couples, adopt children. You see? Beautiful case in point. Just last week. The whole world's talking about it. A mentally unstable trans person. I'm still not sure what gender that, that person is. I don't think anybody really knows. No one knows. No one knows. That's just the way it goes now. Nobody knows what bathrooms to use. Because <laughs> we're so enlightened. But a mentally unstable trans murderer walks into a Christian school. You all know this and shoots up the Christian school in Tennessee, killing six, including these beautiful little children, just getting started in the world. Goes in there and takes the Christophobic rage out on little children. But that's not the worst of it. Those children were not even in the ground yet. They were not even buried yet. When Joe Biden's press sec secretary comes out on, not I was going to say national, but no, international TV. Now, she doesn't side with the Christian kids who were murdered. <laughs> she sides with the murderer. And so it is shameful. It is disturbing. And uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those, the trans community as they are under attack right now. So you see what happened there. Open season on Christians at the highest levels of government, governmental power. You know, and in the same week now, Donald Trump gets indicted. What's his crime? Well, I'm not sure yet. Now, of course, we supported Donald Trump because he stood with pro-life, pro-God, patriotic America. Remember, we explained that over and over again. He stood with us. He didn't lead us. He stood with us. And that was enough to buy time. But again, that's why we stood with Donald Trump, because he stood with the unborn, because he bought time for us to pray for the church, especially 
to wake up. And to, to, to varying degrees, the church has been waking up. We've been showing you a different bishop every week who's coming out now and speaking out, speaking out in the right direction. So in a, in a way, it has worked. We are better off than we would have been. And we are finding people are beginning to, in the church, become more and more aware of what's really going on here. How the Church of Vatican II, the Church of Accompaniment, the Church of Pope Francis is directly, foundationally, fundamentally related and connected and allied with the World Economic Forum of Klaus Schwab, for example. Archbishop Kamara, Council Father, one of the authors of Gaudium et Spes, revolutionary personality who's responsible for the Catacombs Pact. He's got one more point on his resume. <laughs> he was a major influence on a young Klaus Schwab. I, I give you one example, which for me was probably a crucial moment in my life. I traveled for the first time uh, to Brazil. I met a priest uh, who was known at that time as the priest of the poor people. Hmm. Uh, his name was Don Elder Camara. And he brought me to the favelas of uh, Recife, and I was so shocked. And I said, I have to invite this bishop to Davos. But then I noticed that many companies told me, if you invite this person, who is so much against business, we will not come to Davos anymore. And that's where I had to stand to my values. Yeah. Even at the risk that I would have to give up uh, the World Economic Forum. Wow. Um, but it went very well. So what we're talking about here is one of the council fathers and a speaker at Davos. The guys who are setting up the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, and the New World Order. He was one of them, ladies and gentlemen. Now, they also vowed to put pressure on international organizations to help change the economic structures which they said exploit the poor. These are all points that are remarkably similar to Pope Francis's agenda for the church today. It's the same revolution. It's the same players, in fact. The Great Reset was indeed hatched in a catacomb beneath the streets of Rome at the close of the Second Vatican Council in 1965. That was one of the most important shows I think that we did, by the way. I'll put the link down below, click on it, and, and, and watch the entire thing, because it's pretty amazing. And it really shows, reveals, exposes a lot of things. It helps us understand what's going on here. It helps us understand why Pope Francis is shutting down the traditional Latin Mass, because they're all on the same side. In a sense, Pope Francis is calling for Barabbas too, right? He's dropped that title of Vicar of Christ. Oftentimes the cross around his neck isn't showing when he's out in public. <laughs> Doesn't say much about abortion anymore. Doesn't talk about the persecuted Christians very much, as much as he should. Certainly not as much as climate change. And this brings us now to the second question. I said we had two questions. Here's the second one. Are we as Catholics obliged to pray? Now, Pope Francis has been sick over the past week. His health is deteriorating. Are we, are, we, are, we, are we obliged before God to pray for the recovery of Pope Francis? Now, I'm not being flip. I think this is a very important point that we need to consider. Because Francis, right now, he's recovering, so we can cool our heads a little bit and say, what are we going to do now? What do we actually think of this man? You know, he was rushed to the hospital last week in an ambulance, you know, shortness of breath, pain in his chest, and everybody's like, this could be it, including in Rome. What really happened? 
Who knows? He's got a job to do. The Synod on Synodality is still coming up. Women priests, all these things are still coming up. The Vatican Press Office, they spin it every time. We don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. But it got comical at the end of this week when they actually came out and said that the 86-year-old pontiff, who had just been diagnosed with viral bronchitis, was eating pizza and visiting kids in a pediatric oncology ward? Now, those kids are seriously sick. What's Francis, what are they, what's Francis hanging out with them for when he's got bronchitis? See, none of this makes any sense, right? So who knows what's really going on, like everything else coming out today. Most of it's a lie. Most of it's deception. You've got to try to figure out what's going on. But sooner or later, Francis's health, his failing health, will become the issue. And what do we think of that? So again, are, are we obliged to pray for Francis to recover? It's just a fun question, moral theological point, isn't it? This week, some of our people, traditional Catholics, were, were, were very magnanimously pointing out they're saying, like, well, I, I, don't, I don't agree with, with Francis, but I'm, I'm praying for his recovery. You know, it's uncharitable to do anything less. And I have the question for you, is that, is that right? Do you have to pray for his recovery so he can continue to do his work? Or do we pray for his conversion? And if he doesn't convert, do we pray that God shortens his reign? Well, maybe, maybe it's uncharitable to say, talk this way. If you believe that death is the worst evil that can possibly befall a person, I don't believe that, and the Catholic Church certainly has never taught that. We pray for a holy death every day, or we should. Great saints pray that their own children would die before committing a single mortal sin. So what's worse? A single mortal sin or a pope who, by his own admission, is actively trying to destroy the Catholic Church, as St. Robert Bellarmine pointed out that when that happens, you have to resist him to his face. You cannot obey him. That's where we are, friends, with Francis. Are we seriously obliged to pray for the good health of tyrants? Let's do a thought experiment. Let's say it's 1943. We're in Nazi Germany. Adolf Hitler is very, very sick. Were the Catholics living in Germany or around the world obligated to pray for Adolf Hitler to bounce back quickly so that he can avoid death and get back to the work he's doing? I don't think so. Well, right now, Pope Francis is working on a final solution of his own, isn't he? He's working on wiping out, exterminating faithful Catholics, faithful Catholicism from the face of the earth. What happens if he succeeds? Are we supposed to pray and beg God to give him the time needed to finish his spiritual holocaust? Now, in this newspaper, two weeks before Francis uh, came down with his illness this past week, two weeks before that, I prayed for God to take Francis home. And I prayed before I made that prayer, before I announced that prayer in the pages of this newspaper, because it's a, like I say, no Catholic in the history of the church ever imagined we'd be at this point, but here we are. Was I wrong? Are we wrong to pray that God shortens the duration of this man, of his pontificate? It's a serious question. Because it gets to how seriously we take his revolution. Remember, he's the one that said he was going to change the Catholic Church so that it could never be changed back again. The church is languishing right now. People are lost Suicide rates, drugs, countries falling apart 
And Francis is facilitating all of it. And I think it's very necessary for the world and for Pope Francis to know that we are, that faithful Catholics now <laughs> have no, we don't know what to do other than to ask God to shorten this, you know, for the sake of the elect, <laughs> that this time would be shortened, as prophecy talks about. That's what I think we are allowed to, the situation is so bad, we're not saying our prayer is going to get, an, is going to get answered, but we're to the point where we're desperately on bended knee now, asking God to spare us any more of this infiltration of the Catholic Church, destruction of the Catholic Church. Because this now is a matter of life and death, not only of our souls, but of our bodies, and of the bodies and souls of our children, of our countries, right? And Francis falls sick and you say, well, I'm going to pray for his quick recovery. Really? Why would you want that to continue? And we, we were warning against the agenda of Pope Francis, which is directly connected to the entire globalist agenda to crush Christianity. We've been warning about it since he came in in 2013, but especially three years ago, Holy Week, from right down here. You might remember some of this. And this is why Francis is hailed as God's own agent, who's going to bless and approve the sustainable development goals, which we've been talking about so much. The dramatic reality, this whole situation of exclusion and inequality, with its evident effects, has led me, in union with the entire Christian people and many others, to take stock of my grave responsibility in this regard and to speak out, together with all those who are seeking urgently needed and effective solutions. The adoption of the 2030 UN Agenda for Sustainable Development Goals is an important sign of hope. These goals, of course, include universal education, and granting access, working to get, give access to the entire world to contraception. That's the agenda, overpopulation, climate change. That's what this is all about. Worldwide population control, the end of capitalism and the dawning of a new green age of Aquarius. That's what these crazy people have in mind. Again, please, please click the link. <laughs> Review what we've been through, the link below. Uh, with some of those older episodes. That was three years ago, Holy Week, this week. Um, and the part about Francis is much longer than what we showed there, but it's, it's so important to realize how long he's been at it. <laughs> that was then, friends. Now here's the latest, and as I say so often, whether you're Catholic or not, look at what Francis is doing. We could call this show Francis Watch because so much is happening so fast. This great reset that's happening in, the, in, the, in politics, in the world, is also happening in the church, and it's lightning fast right now. So the latest is that Francis says bishops, right? We covered this two shows ago. Raymond Arroyo covered it, too, on, on, on EWTN. Bishops should be given the right, the privilege, the power, to approve whether or not to bless sodomitical unions, gay unions, right? He said bishops should be allowed to make that decision up on their own. They're not allowed, as Raymond Arroyo pointed out at the time, two, two weeks ago, they're not allowed to, bishops are not allowed to make the decision whether or not to leave the Latin Mass in play. No, no, no. The absolute monarch, the absolute authority, Francis, says that's got to go. Go ahead and make up your own mind, Excellency, about whether or not gay, gay unions can be blessed by the church now. That's one thing he's up to. The other thing he's up to right now, Francis, his closest advisors are pushing him to reconsider the church's prohibition of women priests. 
Now, again, friends, this not only puts him at odds with 2,000 years of church teaching, but it puts him in diametrically opposed to the teaching of Saint Pope John Paul the Great <laughs> of just a few years ago that absolutely this is a matter of faith. It's not a matter of opinion. It's not a matter of evolving doctrine. It is a matter of faith that the Catholic Church cannot ordain women to the priesthood. Well, Francis and his friends are seeing if that's maybe time for that to change. Right now, right now, that's happening. One of Francis's main advisors, his inner cabinet advisors, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying this. He just called for a relaxation of, Catholic, of the Catholic teaching on gay sex. What, what's next? Infanticide? We relax the church's teaching on infanticide? What? Because it says Hollerich, this chief advisor to Pope Francis, he says we need to, we need to kind of think about this, this, this gay sex prohibition of the Catholic morality because we can't ask the impossible of our homosexual friends. Do you see where this is going, friends? They are simply using the papacy and the Vatican of Pope Francis to eliminate Christian moral theology from the world today. So when you try to teach moral theology to your homeschool kids or to your small Catholic school, your Christian school or whatever, guess what? When the state comes, when child services comes to take your children away for teaching hate, you're not going to be able to rely on Pope Francis. You are going to be on your own, way out on the periphery. And believe me, Francis is not going to accompany you there if you try to teach Bible-based Christian moral theology in the future. <laughs> and all of this is happening while persecution of Christians is ramping up all over the world. It was at the top of the show, even and especially in the heart of Christianity in the Holy Land where the Christians are simply disappearing. And Francis is helping the most powerful enemies of Christianity in the world today set up a new world order. Friends, again, this is Holy Week. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to scandalize you. This, this is not a popular position to take. I, don't, I get it. Many of you are going to disagree with me. <gasps> Shocking. But I don't know what else to do. I pray for Francis. I pray for him every day with my children, every single night. But we pray for his conversion, that he comes back to the Catholic faith. We don't pray for his long life, because that makes our religion ridiculous. Pray for him to continue to do this, to be given years to continue to, to complete this revolution against Christ, against the church, against the family. And I take no pleasure in talking about this, especially... In Holy Week, but I think it's important for us to realize as Holy Week starts, what the chastisement looks like, how alone we're going to have to be if something doesn't happen real soon. Bishops and priests don't stand up to what's happening in the Vatican real soon. We need to prepare for that persecution to visit our shores. Real, bloody persecution if this is allowed to continue. The pontificate of Pope Francis, friends, this is what I mean, spread the word we need to get this out there. And if we're praying for his quick recovery, I think we've missed the plot here a little bit. Because his pontificate is the worst chastisement imaginable. 
If we end up in a few years, I'm probably going to you know, die before it happens. But if my children and my grandchildren are trying to raise their families in a world that does not have a Christian moral theology, does not have the church even defending Christian moral theology, that, friends, is the worst chastisement imaginable. Because always during the Nazi occupation, during the Soviet occupation, always you had the church. You had the underground church to rely on. The teachings of the church were never questioned. Today, they are being questioned. They're being eliminated right now in the Vatican by this man who we're told is the Pope. And I believe that if we continue to pray for him to continue, then again, we don't realize where we're at. On the timeline here, pray for his long life. The moral authority of the Catholic Church, of Christianity, friends, if that is not restored, if we don't fight to restore it, and by we I mean the lay people, the priests, the bishops, the cardinals of the church, fight right now, stand up and defend it, well, <laughs> there's nothing a politician can do. There's nothing Donald Trump can do. If Trump gets the nomination in 2024, wait for his position on gay marriage to have changed dramatically, right? And so you're going to freak out over that. Well, you know why that is? Because the Catholic Church is changing its position on homosexuality, on the sin that cries to heaven for, for vengeance. Where's Donald Trump going to come, with the, come up with the moral high ground to do anything about it? You see where this is going? No politician can save us. If the church does not, the church is not restored, and as lay people, we need to do our part. So in a few years, all the good guys that you rely on right now to hold the torch, <laughs> they are going to be pro-choice. They are going to be pro-gay marriage. They're going to stop being against the transgender ideology in our schools because it's going to be considered a hate crime, because no bishops or priests are standing up right now to stop it because they lack the moral authority to do so. So these politicians will change their tune. They will become pro-transsexuality for kids, pro-pedophilia. They're going to lower the age of consent, right? If the church doesn't do something to stop it. This is where politics always goes when Christ is removed. And the thing is, friend, I'll close on this. It's a statement of the obvious. As we head now into a commemoration of the passion of Jesus Christ, we see the passion of the mystical body of Christ, and we know that the only force powerful enough on the face of the earth, friends, is not the Republican Party. The only force that can stop it now, stop the persecution, stop the degradation, the dethronement of God, right? The chaos is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, his law, his Ten Commandments, the moral law that's based on his social kingship. It's the only thing that can stop this now on all of this, all of which Francis calls rigid and lacking in mercy. He's standing directly in the way of the salvation of the world. Hey, I, I pray for Francis every day that God will intervene and either convert his heart, convert him, or remove him, yes, <laughs> or remove him. I pray for Francis every day, not for God to cure his broken heart, but for God to convert it and make it Catholic again, which is the only hope of the world, that the spiritual authority will become Catholic again. And in the meantime, I keep the faith, regardless of what Francis says. We all must do that. <laughs>
and our prayer should be and must be from Francis the Destroyer, Liberanos Domine. I'm Michael Matt for In the TV. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.